I'm jumping in with a quick message that I've added to all HR Coffee Time episodes to let you know that my group programme, Inspiring HR, is back. In case you haven't heard of it before, it's an intensive six-week programme for mid and senior level HR and people professionals. So if you're an HR business partner, HR manager, head of HR or HR director, or the people equivalent, so a people business partner, people manager, head of people or people director, and you'd like to build your confidence, your credibility and your impact at work, Inspiring HR could be perfect for you. We get started on Wednesday the 5th of June 2024 when we'll be meeting up over Zoom for two hours every week. The group sessions are a blend of group coaching, training and facilitation. They're supportive, encouraging and practical and each week has a slightly different focus. So in week one, we look at setting yourself up for success. Week two is about boosting your confidence. Week three focuses on being strategic in your role. Week four is all about building key relationships. Week five takes a deep dive into influencing at a senior level. And the final week looks at planning for the future. There's a link with the full details in the show notes for you. Or you can learn more by going to my website, Bright Sky Career Coaching, clicking on services and then clicking on Inspiring HR Group Programme. I would love to have you join us and to get to know you throughout the programme. But if you have any questions about Inspiring HR at all, please feel free to ask by getting in touch through the website and I would be very happy to answer them for you. I know how busy your work can be and how frustrating it can feel when you just don't seem to be getting to the projects that you're most passionate about or that you know are going to help to accelerate your HR career. Maybe you wake up in the morning with the best of intentions to prioritise a certain piece of work or project, but after a day spent tackling your overflowing inbox, attending meetings and firefighting, you fall into bed realising that another day has passed by and you've not made the progress you wanted to. If someone tells you you're procrastinating, you may instinctively feel angry and defensive. Don't they realise how busy you are? But a teeny tiny part of you might also be wondering if they're right. After all, if other people can get this stuff done, why can't you? So in this episode of HR Coffee Time, I'll be sharing some practical tips to help with all this. I'll run through six ways to stop procrastinating and find time for important projects at work. If we haven't met before, hello, I'm Faye Wallace, a career coach and outplacement specialist with a background in HR, and I'm also the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching, as well as being your host for HR Coffee Time. HR Coffee Time is a podcast especially for you to help you have a successful and fulfilling HR career without working yourself into the ground. And getting important work done without burning yourself out is something I help my coaching clients with all the time. And it's one of the reasons I created the HR Planner and ran a free HR planning workshop in January this year. So if you're listening to this in the future, it was January 2022, but it's something I'm planning on doing again next year as well. 
If you haven't got a free copy of the HR Planner and you're wondering what on earth I'm talking about, it has everything you need to get organised and achieve your goals throughout the year. It doesn't matter that we're partway through the year now, you can pick it up and get started with it at any time. There are career coaching activities in it to help you identify and plan your career goals. There are checklists of typical HR tasks you need to be on top of so you can plan them all out throughout the year. And it also has an A4 calendar of awareness and inclusion dates to help you with your planning and HR initiatives. I'll put a link in the show notes for you if you haven't got a copy and would like to download one for free. And as well as the free version, there's a more extensive hardback version available to buy if you'd like it. I've also covered time management once before on the podcast back in episode seven, which is called what to do when you don't have enough hours in the day. So I definitely recommend having a listen to that as well, because the ideas in it complement the ones that I talk about in today's episode. But that's enough for the intro. Let's dive into the main part of the show and hear what the tips are. The first tip I'm going to share with you is to eat that frog. It was an idea made famous by Brian Tracy that he covers in his book, which is called Eat That Frog. (laughs) Get more of the important things done today. He explains that the author Mark Twain once said that if the first thing you do each morning is to eat a live frog, you can go through the day with the satisfaction of knowing that this is probably the worst thing that's going to happen to you all day long. Of course, no one likes the idea of actually eating a live frog. I definitely don't want to eat one for breakfast, but your frog is actually an important task that you're putting off for some reason. Even when we're passionate about projects or we know it's important, if we think it's going to be difficult, time consuming, or we're not completely sure how to crack on with it, the easiest thing is to just put it off for another day or to tell yourself you'll do it later in the day. But I'm sure you'll know what I'm talking about here. After you've tackled your first task in the morning and it isn't eating that frog, the rest of your day is suddenly swallowed up by meetings, your inbox, firefighting, which leaves you frustrated with yourself or feeling like you're never going to get on top of things and get started with this important task. So I try to follow this advice from Brian Tracy for myself. And to give you an example, this week has been an incredibly busy week for me. I had a new outplacement contract come in that I hadn't been expecting. And the client wants to put support in place for their people who are losing their jobs as soon as possible. So it's been all systems go while I redesign some of our career workshops to suit the roles that their people will be looking for. But I know that I can't just drop the ball on this podcast. I have to make time for it because you're expecting this episode to appear in your podcast app when you wake up on Friday morning. And even though I really enjoy having this podcast, if I haven't left myself as much time as I'd like to plan it out, or I'm struggling to pin down a title and topic for the week, like I have done this week, I've changed this one a few times, I can find myself putting off recording it or just starting to feel a bit stressed about it. So when I got up this morning, I made it my priority. It is the frog that I ate this morning. And I'd really love to encourage you, if you're listening to this in the morning or you're listening to it at the weekend and you're not at work, please, please, please think about what is 
the task that you've been putting off. And when you get into work or when you sit at your desk, if you're working from home or sit at your breakfast bar or sit at your kitchen table, wherever it is that you're working from, make that difficult task the very first thing you tackle because then you will start getting it done and you'll find that you're stopping procrastinating about it. And eating that frog brings us on to my second tip, which is to start using the five minute rule. Because what I found in which you'll have experienced too is that if you do eat that frog and you get started with the task you've been putting off, a few minutes into it, you suddenly find yourself in flow and far more committed to getting it finished. It stopped feeling quite so daunting or difficult. And that's where the five minute rule can be another helpful tip to use in conjunction with eat that frog. The five minute rule is another really simple but effective anti-procrastination technique. You just tell yourself that you'll work on the task for five minutes and that then you can stop. Now it might be that once you get to five minutes, you're still feeling stuck or fed up or bored about the task and you want to stop. And if that's the case, that's fine. You can just come back to it again tomorrow when you eat your frog again tomorrow morning. But a lot of the time, you'll find that the first couple of minutes were the worst. (laughs) And once you got through them, you're fine. It's a little bit like trying to start swimming in a cold pool or the sea. I'm terrible. As I've got older, I am such a wimp about getting into cold water. And I don't remember being like that when I was little. You dip your toe in the water and you think, oh no, this is going to be horrendous. It's so cold, it's freezing. But once you've eased yourself in and your shoulders are under the water and you've swum a length, it's suddenly absolutely fine and you start to enjoy yourself and think, oh, why didn't I just get in straight away? So it's the same thing here. I ate my frog this morning by making starting on this episode my first task of the day and then after five minutes I was in the flow with it and now I found I'm far more motivated to keep coming back to it, to carry on working on it throughout the day in between my calls and coaching sessions whereas if I'd put off starting on it this morning I probably would end up leaving it until the absolute last minute, which is not ideal because then I feel stressed or then I worry that the quality of it isn't as high as I would like it to be. But if you're listening to this and thinking, Faye, there is no way I can do either of your first tips. I just don't have a spare second in my day. The only way I feel like I can get anything done is to start getting up at the crack of dawn and carry on working until late into the night then please bear with me because this third tip might be particularly useful for you. Although I think it's helpful for pretty much everybody. And the tip is to go lean. So in last week's podcast episode, which was episode 44, Succeeding as an HR Professional, How to Influence at a Senior Level, I talked about the fact it can be useful to borrow ideas that other functions outside of HR are using and then learn from them and adapt them for our own uses. The episode looked at how to use influencing techniques that are well known by marketing and sales teams to improve our influencing skills as HR professionals. 
this week I'm suggesting that we borrow a methodology famous in project management and manufacturing, which you may well have come across before. It's called Lean. It originated from Toyota in Japan, where they devised a system to eliminate waste. This means looking at your processes and systems and improving, streamlining or stopping them if they don't add value or they're unnecessarily clunky or cumbersome. And I saw this happening when I worked in HR in previous roles. There would be different forms to fill in for onboarding that kept asking for the same information. So going back to this idea of lean, not only does that mean it's going to be more time consuming, it also meant that information was being entered onto different systems or different spreadsheets, but also it meant that it's not a great experience for the person who's being onboarded it's no fun to have to fill in five different forms and keep repeating the information again and again and again. So it makes sense for you as an HR function to be able to speed things up, but actually thinking about how it's adding value, it's not adding as much value as it could be unless you change it and streamline it. And there were lots of other processes that weren't creating as much value for the organisation as they could have been that we actively worked on and started mapping them out and making changes that ultimately freed up so much of our time as well as improving the experience for the people who were working in the organisation. It was in that role actually that we had someone join the team on a temporary basis, she was an interim, who had a lot of experience at process mapping and seeing her sit with us and plan everything out step by step really made me realise the potential for eliminating waste, so eliminating all of these time sinkers. And whenever I have made myself sit down to write down step by step what's involved in a process, I've always been able to spot areas of improvement that will speed things up, which will then ultimately free up more of my time for other work. And I hope that if you give this a go, you would have the same experience too. Of course, what it means is that you then have to spend time or ask people to help you to improve those processes so that you are going to be saving time ultimately. And that may feel like, oh no, I've got a whole other project to work on now, Faye. But even if it takes you a little while now, you are going to reap the benefits in the future. You're going to find that in a few months time, or maybe even less than that, you suddenly have just got more capacity for focusing on the things that are important to you and are going to have the biggest impact on your work and your career. My fourth tip is to only check your emails at set times each day, instead of having them open all the time and responding to them as quickly as you can. Now, if you feel nervous about doing this because you think everyone around you is expecting an instantaneous response, you can always let people know that you'll be trialing out this method and even include a mention of it in your email footer to prepare them for it. What I found from doing this myself is that if there is something incredibly urgent, that person will manage to get hold of you in another way. So urgent things normally end up escalating from an email to a phone call. And it's also quite unlikely that something phenomenally urgent is going to come up 
in between the times that you have allocated yourself for emails. Now, this can be really liberating once you start doing it because you suddenly just find that you've got time for this important work that you've been putting off. Condensing, tackling your emails into set times means you can just be focused on them, bash them all out the way, deal with them, get them done, and then you're not worrying about them the rest of the time that you're working on other stuff. And if you find that your inbox is absolutely overflowing from trying this out and think, oh no, this isn't going to work. I now suddenly have 200 emails that I've got to tackle at the end of the day. Well, then it's time to take some more action about your emails and have a look at why this is happening. Are you being copied in on loads of emails unnecessarily? I know this happened to one of my clients recently where her organisation had moved from all working together in the office They'd gone completely remote in the pandemic and there was a big fear that people would miss out on sharing information. So what's happened is everybody is copied into almost every email and it's just become unbearable for her. So if it's unbearable for her, it means that it's unbearable for everyone in the organisation. So she's initiated a conversation throughout the whole company to talk about how they can tackle this and find another way of making sure that everyone is updated about important things. So if you find yourself being copied in on all of these emails that you don't need to be on, then ask to be taken out of the loop. You can just ask very politely, explain why, or ask to be updated in a different way. So maybe this whole big chain of emails you've been copied in on, you could just have a very quick update in your meeting with that person in a week's time or something like that. And maybe you find from trying out just checking your emails at set times each day that you're getting loads of emails from companies you've subscribed to hear from but you just don't have time to read their emails or you're not interested in their products anymore you might be thinking well you know what's the harm i just hit delete as soon as they come in but your brain still has to process oh i just got another email from that company that i don't use anymore okay, I will go ahead and delete it now. So instead of having to use up that brain power, just make sure that you unsubscribe from all of them. It will be such a relief when your inbox isn't being filled with all these unnecessary emails. And tightening up your email practices like this can also be a great way of setting an example to everyone else around you as well and fostering a better email culture amongst everyone you work with. My fifth tip comes from the work of time management expert, Laura van der Kam. She's written several books about time management and she also recorded a brilliant TED talk, which I'd really encourage you to watch if you want to feel more motivated about acting on this particular tip. I'll make sure that I link to it in the show notes for you. Laura van der Kam talks about using a time diary to track your time. All this means is keeping a record for the week of what you've been doing every day. You can break down the tasks into whatever increments of time you like, but I find that blocks of 15 minutes seem to work quite well. And by doing this, it's much easier to see where and how your time is being swallowed up, and it can help you to change things to find time for the work that matters to you. She has a free time diary spreadsheet on her website that you can use, but when I've encouraged some of my clients to do this and they've balked at the idea of having to enter all their activities into a spreadsheet, 
I've just asked them to print off a copy of their Outlook calendar, if they're very good at using their Outlook calendar, and then handwrite onto it at the specific times all the other tasks that they found themselves doing over the week. So at the beginning of the week, they print off their calendar for the week, have it sitting next to them on their desk, and they just have to handwrite on there all the extra stuff, all the little tasks that aren't plotted into their Outlook calendar, so that we can review it together at the end of the week. Or another way of doing this that can be really helpful that I've used myself when I've tried time tracking recently is to use an app to track your time. There are lots of apps available, but the one I've used is called Toggle. It sits open in my browser and actually I think there's an app for it as well, but I haven't tried that. And then all I have to do is click on it to start tracking the amount of time I'm spending on each activity throughout the day it helped me realise that I was guilty of something called the planning fallacy. It's something that I read about in Dr Grace Lorden's book, Think Big, Take Small Steps to Build the Future You Want. She is a behavioural scientist and I absolutely love the book. It's a great read. I think I'm probably going to be talking to you about it in more detail next week because I'm planning on doing an episode all about my favourite books and biggest book recommendations for your career. I'll make sure that I link to it in the show notes today and then if you're interested in learning more then make sure you tune in for next week's episode. But coming back to the planning fallacy, so what is it? This is when we underestimate how long things will take. I wasn't allocating myself set times of the day or week for certain things and then I was surprised when I hadn't managed to achieve them in the tiny cracks of time that were left available to me. I don't know why I thought that just having tiny amounts of time was going to be enough to actually get some quite big things done or make an impact with some quite big projects. So the idea behind using a time diary is that you can assess what you're spending your time on and then you can make a plan for the week ahead to make sure you're able to allocate time for your important projects instead of doing what I was doing and just hoping I'd be able to squeeze things in. I tried using a time diary quite a long time ago now and it's had a real impact on my productivity and helped me to tackle procrastination. Now I keep Mondays free from client work to give myself time to catch up with admin instead of trying to fit in the admin around my coaching sessions and calls, which has made a huge difference to me. I also have set times of the months, so I haven't just planned out my ideal week, I've actually taken a longer view on it and started planning out my months. So I also have got set times of the months when I record the guest interviews for the podcast so that I always have time for them and I'm not feeling rushed and it gives me the added bonus of not context switching the whole time. Context switching is the downside of multitasking or moving from one task to another in quick succession. It can be really hard not to start feeling mentally tired if you switch between two completely different tasks and it also makes it harder for you to get back on track if you want to pick up the first task you were working on later in the day. If you think, yes, I'm going to give this a try, Faye, I'm going to start time tracking and create a time diary, then I just want to warn you that it can feel a little bit overwhelming at first. That's what my experience was. So after tracking my time, I thought, oh no, how am I going to actually improve on this? How can I 
plan certain tasks into my calendar, making sure I'm allocating enough time to them because actually the next few weeks of my calendar are completely packed. So if this happens to you, I just want to reassure you, it doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter if you can't improve things overnight instantaneously. What I ended up doing was looking in my calendar way into the future, I think it was about two or three months into the future, where there wasn't much in there at all, and that's when I made the changes. So that's where I started allocating in all of the chunks of time, I put certain things in as recurring appointments, and it meant that those months soon rolled round and suddenly I felt a lot more in control of my time and I was able to start stopping procrastinating and crack on with the projects that really mattered to me. So I hope that you will have the same experience if you give it a try. That brings us to the final tip, which is to try out a carrot or stick as a commitment device. It's another thing that I learned from Grace Lorden's book. So she explains there's a lot of evidence that carrot and stick commitment devices can change hard to change behaviours. So our hard to change behaviour we're talking about today, of course, is procrastination. And you'll be familiar with the idea of the carrot and the stick, that you can motivate people by punishing them, which would be the stick, or rewarding them, which would be the carrot. So committing to give yourself a carrot something lovely as a reward for sticking to your plans and achieving something is one option and something that you might have heard of before. Or otherwise, committing to punishing your behaviour in some way, making sure there's a negative consequence, is another. I wasn't that keen on the idea of using a stick commitment device because it sounds really negative and I like to focus on the positive. But since first reading about it, I have actually spoken to other people who have found the idea of the stick incredibly helpful for them. I was chatting to someone just a few weeks ago who told me that she's committed to giving money to an organisation she despises if she doesn't follow through on her tasks. She has an agreement with someone she works with that she'll hand over the cash if she ends up procrastinating on a particularly important project. And she told me it has worked phenomenally well at keeping her on track. And if you don't have a person you'd like to make this commitment to, there is also a website called stick.com. So you spell that S-T-I-C-K-K.com, where you can sign up and make a public commitment to follow through on your goals. And you also have to make a payment if you don't achieve them. If you feel like giving this method a try, I'll link to the website for stick.com in the comments and I would love to hear how you get on with this idea. So let's wrap this episode up with a quick reminder of what we've covered today. We focused on six ways to stop procrastinating and find time for important projects at work. And these six ways were to one, eat that frog, two, try using the five minute rule, three, go lean, four, only check your emails at fixed times each day, five, assess and plan your time, and six, try out a carrot or stick as a commitment device. I would absolutely love to hear what you thought of the episode. If you've enjoyed it, it would be wonderful if you'd be happy to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or rate the show on Spotify. This episode is being released nearly a year to the day that I released the very first episode 
episode of the podcast. If you have been listening along every week since then, thank you so much. It has been wonderful to know that you're showing up week after week. And if you've only just discovered the podcast, I hope you've enjoyed it today. Bye for now. I will be back again next week.